What is up, all you snackers, and welcome to The World is My Burrito, my first taquito. Uh, if you don't know what a taquito is, it's a mini-sode. Uh, literally, this is posted the day after my intro. Uh, come on, go just listen to the, the two-minute intro. Jesus. As is tradition, this is your host, Corey T, coming at you from Tampa, Florida. And it is Halloween season, so I have been consuming a lot of horror. Uh, I really had to make up for not really watching anything until the end of September. Uh, And this year's plan was to watch through the entire Freddy franchise, A Nightmare on Elm Street to be specific. Uh, I've never seen any of these movies. I have seen the final scene from the first film. And then I've seen like uh, clips, uh, probably from like YouTube videos or something about cool kills from the same film. But like literally never seen the movie and then never seen any sequels. Uh, So this has been an experience. Um, Overall... Right now, I am five films deep, meaning I have completed Five Freddies at Night. It's a great play on words. Thank you. Thank you. Please hold your applause. Um, And there's only one more to go before I officially finish the, like, first saga, I guess. Whatever. Uh, But I really want to get this out because, man, I cannot give enough of a shit. Um about reviewing much more but uh yeah so first five films uh i guess i can start this off with like basic information these films range from 1984 to 1989 as far as release goes um as far as a rating uh i can make that pretty quick i don't necessarily recommend any of these um But if you ever decide to watch the first film, I highly recommend that you watch the second film. Um, I mean, as it stands, that's the only thing here that's like a four star in this franchise. And then everything else, maybe some of the practical effects are five star. But uh, the terrible writing drops them down to like, a one or two star recommendation. I really do not recommend these movies. Um, So yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and get right into it. Uh, So first film, um, it is terrible, awful writing. I do not know like how many drugs went into this, but there had to have been a lot involved. There are, there are a couple of lines in here that aren't even written by someone who natively speaks English. Uh, and then the one thing that stood out the most, uh, if you're a fan of the folding ideas channel, um, he once posits the phrase cinema narrative dissonance, which would be something like the writing is not matching what's happening. Um, and that like pervades through this entire movie. There's so much happening on screen, but people's actions and reactions don't always reflect on it. Uh, probably like the best example would be 
the scene where Nancy is put to sleep. Her mother and a doctor are observing her. She has a nightmare in which she is attacked by Freddy. She awakens screaming. Everyone runs in. She has a pretty large cut on her forearm. Uh, And then there is a hat just in her bed. And like no one's really concerned about this. They're all like thinking that she's crazy for a nightmare. Uh, And then later on, I think it's like the next scene or something when she's back home. um, She brings up the name Fred Krueger, which no one has mentioned to her yet. And her mom says, you know, oh, don't worry. It's just a nightmare. And then she's like literally holding Fred's hat, which was in the bed in the hospital room. Um, And it's. Yeah, there, there's so much stuff like that. Um, the Every little bit of dialogue from the deputy at the final kill when Glenn dies. Uh, it's not... I don't even remember any of it. I didn't want to look that up. But it just... None of it made sense to what was going on. Um, but I will say the one thing I did look up, and it is my favorite singular line in the movie is uh, from Nancy's sheriff dad. Um, Whatever, it doesn't matter the context, but her dad says, and I quote, what the hell were you doing going to school today for anyway? Unquote. And that's, it it hurt my head to hear that. Um, And he delivers it perfectly. He really does. There's no, like, breaks. There's no... Nothing. He's very confident in that delivery. Um, It's terrible. That is horrible writing. However, um, if you love practical effects, I think a lot of the terrible, horrible writing is made up for in the practical effects department. Uh, The first kill of the movie takes place inside a rotating room with a stable camera. Meaning that, like, the the first kill is Tina. Um, and it's so wild because she is literally, like, falling through different corners of the room. But you do not see the room moving. You're just seeing her, like, going from, like, the middle corner to, like, a top corner to the center of the room as she's, like, flailing around. And it is amazing. Um, one of the other kills... Uh, or no, before that, uh, one of my favorite, I, I guess, like tiny moments is when Nancy is having a nightmare um, and her like bedroom wall, she's sleeping in the like second floor um, and like the roof is her wall. So it's angled a little bit over her head and Freddie like pushes in, you know, face and hands with the wall which for that scene they had replaced with fabric and it looks so clean. Uh, the final kill of course, I think is arguably even better than the first, but where Glenn gets sucked down into the bed and then there's just like buckets of blood shooting up into the ceiling and they just made a room and like perfectly replicated Glenn's room, uh, nailed everything down flipped it upside down and then just poured blood buckets through there. It's so impressive. Uh, yeah, the practical effects really solid in that. 
Uh, I will say the best scene of the movie uh, is like the mom has closet liquor. Uh, She has liquor all over this house. Um, But like she's worried about her daughter and, you know, pulls liquor, a liquor bottle out of their towel closet. Uh, Yeah, that's terrible. Anyways, I'm going to move on to 2 because I think 2 is the... I'm going to just say it right now. 2 is the strongest movie in the entire franchise. And I'm like, I don't know, 4 or 5 movies shy. Um, 2 is Freddy's Nightmare. So they do away somehow, even though like the very end is a little wishy-washy. Freddy is done away with in the first film. And in order to return, um, he has to kind of possess someone... Uh, but anyways, the, the, the main thing that I really want to talk about in this movie, uh, this movie really, really lacks a lot in practical effects. Um, very minimal, but the writing is leagues better. Uh, almost everything makes a lot more sense. Um, I think the only scene that doesn't make sense is when a bird literally explodes in this family's house. And everyone's just kind of cool about it. Like they freak out in the moment, but then act as if, uh, you know, nothing ever happened. That's very strange. Um, but then everything else, even if it seems almost like everything that's said, if it seems like it's out of context or doesn't make any sense, if you stop and think about it, it, it really fits well. But the, the big thing is the gay subtext um, put in there, put in there by David Chaskin. It permeates throughout the movie. And I will say there is no way this is subtext. This is gay dom text. Uh, like literally the main dude whose name I totally just do not happen to have in front of me right now. Um, he meets his high school football coach or PE teacher in a gay bar. And it seems like it's a dream, but no, it's actually happening. Um, there's so many other points in this film, like the MC, uh, you know, when he's scared of stuff, he doesn't want to go to his girlfriend. He goes to his best male friend. Um, man, it is so good. It kind of has this message of like, he he does kill a few people through, you know, Freddy kind of possessing him. Freddy's trying to come back to life by possessing this guy. Um, and yeah, Jesse Walsh is the character name uh, done by Mark Patton. Uh, man, it's it is so good. But society is it's this thing where like society kind of demonizes him for being gay, even though kind of like even within the context of the movie, he's not the one that's gay. There's just a lot of gay things happening in the movie. Um, but if you view it from the perspective as say, everyone knows that he's gay, then the whole movie is kind of like society oppressing someone for being a monster until they become a monster. Uh, there are better bits of content out in the world for things like this. Um, personally, if you know me, if we have spoken, 
I have probably preached to you about Devilman Crybaby on Netflix. It is, I think, the perfection of the Devilman franchise. Uh, and I think it is probably the best example of society demonizing someone until they become a demon. But that also had decades of time and, you know, films like this to build on. Uh, and Nightmare 2 was 85. Man, like, what a powerful movie. Um, you know, Jesse himself is not the villain, but yeah, the villain is able to enact through him, you know, this, this thing that society puts on him, uh, that is non-existent. Anyways, Freddy two, very well written. Um, I assume it gets a lot of hate out there. I don't know why it is very well done. Um, oh, and before I forget, uh, the plant sequence, the whole, everything about that between the actual settings, uh, and then Jesse's character, um, like absolutely amazing. Uh, it very much reminds me of Tim Burton's Batman, which came out several years after this. So I'm kind of wondering if Burton got a little bit of inspiration here. Um, but the, the perfected visual of, uh, Jesse being inside Freddie's body and like having to emerge from it is just, Oh, chef's kiss. So good. I move along three is dream warriors. Uh, man, um, good practical effects. It's got some good kills. I'll give it that. Uh, the worm in the beginning is marvelous because it is a massive prop and it's only on there for, I don't know, a minute and a half, like two minutes. It's like one of my favorite things about a lot of older movies are these absolutely phenomenal props that, you know, see a few seconds of screen time and then that's it. You know, they've served their purpose. Um, the face in the TV was a great shot, but overall, man, when they, I don't like this. I don't like the superpowers. I get that it's, it is a logical evolution of the franchise, but I think the franchise was too young to start throwing uh, <laughs> this level of creativity in it. Cause we haven't even really established all of Freddie's powers and this movie goes very far out of its way to start like removing powers from him or changing the rules. I should say to how things work. Um, and it, it upsets me in so many ways and some of them are what I swear it inspired. So like the way a lot of people die, it is very specifically relevant to like their vices or their interests. Uh, and I had to look it up. Um, Hellraiser three does this. If you've ever seen that and like when the people die, they become the thing that is vaguely relevant to who they were. Uh, and that was five years later. And it makes me mad that Hellraiser did this after dream warriors sucked at doing it so hard. Um, it's like you already, you already saw this. You already knew how bad this was going to turn out. And then someone's like, yeah, sure. This is a great idea. Uh, and I'm Aaron Elm street did it. We do get a little bit of a uh, Larry Fishburne, which it's always funny seeing that as his name. Um, I remember that's how he's credited in mash is as Larry Fishburne, which if you didn't know, 
he is also in an episode of mash that was i think a year before or after this um right in the same time frame anyways man he doesn't do much he doesn't he's not a big enough character um i think the worst sin is adding backstory uh there are videos i man something about shadows there's a youtube channel um in praise of shadows got it i'm pretty sure it's the in praise of shadows channel talks about how mental institutions were displayed on screen for a lot of movies and like they're only ever bad people and this movie's you know, I, I guess they're kind of like sort of separating it by saying, you know, the old mental institution treated everyone like they were crazies. And this one is, I don't know, they're still kind of treating everyone like they're crazy, but not villains. Uh, but it was kind of uncomfortable that like this is Freddy's backstory. I, I get kind of the fantasy of it, but I feel like this could have been done much better even for this year. It just definitely feels like a you know, write it on a napkin and get it wet and throw it against the wall to see if it sticks. Um, yeah, it's just, it's terrible. There's so much bad writing in this. They brought back Heather Langenkamp. Terrible decision. Uh, no, it's, it definitely, this is the best of everything that comes after it. Uh, so four and five, I'm going to keep this extra short cause this is, little bit longer than I had expected. Um, yeah, straight downhill. God, there's like nothing really redeeming Four has some okay effects. Um, five, man, they, five puts so much effort into practical effects and yet none of it pays off. Like Zach, man, can you imagine a movie that just builds a ton of massive sets that are very well detailed and then when you get done watching it, you're just like empty inside. Like, I don't know how to explain how they did this. It's, it's honestly kind of amazing that they could put that much effort into something. And when you get done, you just feel devoid of like any concern for the like otherwise immaculate practical effects. Um, the story gets so much worse. Freddy's powers change all the time. I get like by three and beyond, this is where we're getting hardcore into the camp thing. Um, I, I will say like four is interesting because it is shot very much like a children's passing of the torch movie that is set in a horror film. There was just something about it where like everything about part four comes off like it's moving very, 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 very quickly to try to keep your attention and just felt like I was watching a children's movie barring the cursing and nudity and stuff like that. You know, blood, whatever. Um, five, man. Uh, the main girl, for one, it's confusing because her hair color is different. Um, oddly enough, yeah, it's it's the same actress, but she does not look the same at all. It was so weird to, you know, see that it was the same actress on IMDb. And it's like, man, I do not believe that these are the same people. Um, yeah. And in five, she's just, 
assuming that everyone has gone through her experiences from four, like the, she talks to her close friends like they were there and none of these people even knew she existed during the events of four. Um, yeah, man, that movie sucks. The only thing that is kind of really interesting, uh, her boyfriend, Don, I think it was, dies on a motorcycle in this very interesting, like the motorcycle kind of starts the wires and the mechanics expand and wrap and meld with his body. And he reminds me of Tetsuo the Iron Man, which was released in the same year as Dream Child, uh, the fifth Nightmare on Elm Street film. Uh, also, the little kid, Jacob, is the same kid from the original Jurassic Park film, the one who doubts Alan Grant, uh, and he does a little Velociraptor thing. So, yeah, no, um, not good. Man, this franchise is kind of trash i think i'll give two a rewatch again though but i will say you have to watch two if you see one it is genuinely a natural progression of like the reality that they build in one oh, man it's so good like it is a perfect two set of movies despite all the imperfections but overall you know you can avoid the freddy series at this point god <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I think that's really about it. I'm not really going to be putting news in these things at all. You just, you just get my voice and my opinions and my shooting from the hip. Um, enjoy your Halloween y'all. I'll actually probably have another one out because I did watch another movie, uh, that was very entertaining. Um, so yeah, we'll talk about that. Deuces. <laughs>